This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hello, and welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. My name is Alex Fitton, and I am here to showcase people doing amazing things in the adoption world and connect with you guys in all of it. You can find me on Facebook at Alex Fitton and the Adoptive Mom Podcast and on Instagram at the Adoptive Mom. This is season six, episode 13, and that brings us to episode 91 overall, you guys. Today, I get to collaborate with Candace Laycock from the Adoption Hacks Podcast. Candace is doing amazing work on her show by featuring experts in the adoption world and teaching the masses how they can join the adoption community. Candace and I did an episode for her podcast as well, and that, of course, will be linked in the show notes. So give this episode a listening, and while it's playing, go to Adoption Hacks in your podcasting app and subscribe to stay in the know with everything Candace is doing. Before we get to my chat with Candace, I want to remind you guys that there is a whole world of resources from AMP on social media. Make sure that you are following me and the podcast and that you're part of the Adoptive Mom community on Facebook. You don't have to be an adoptive mom, just a listener of the show in order to be a part. And that will give you access to exclusive posts and live interviews and other goodies. So for sure, go join me on the socials. And while you're doing that, be listening to my interview with Candace Laycock. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast and a special welcome to my guest today, Candice Laycock. So I, uh, I'm i sure you've heard her name before because she is also a podcast host uh, of the Adoption Hacks Podcast. But yeah, welcome to the show, Candice. Thank you so much. Longtime listener, longtime host, first time guest. Oh exciting. my goodness. Are you serious? I feel <laughs> yeah. so honored. <laughs> I'm really excited to be talking to you. So yeah, just take a second and introduce us to yourself and your family. Okay. Yeah. My name is Candice. Um, I've been married to my husband, Anthony, for eight years. We have a three-year-old, Saja, um, who is obsessed with PJ Masks right now. Um, and he, we adopted him from Korea a couple years ago. Um, and then we're also in the process of another adoption. Uh, we're trying to adopt from India, so that's the that's the plan right now. But it's it's we've been in this process for about two years, so it's going pretty slow. Um, but I uh, host the Adoption Hacks podcast, like you said. I also teach dance for a living. Uh, my husband is a youth pastor here in Baltimore, and we do a lot of stuff with discipling young people and small groups and worship and all that stuff at our church. Wow. Um, you guys have a lot going on. I also have a lot going on. I did not realize your husband was a youth pastor. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. We've been here in Baltimore doing it for four and a half years. And then before that we were in, in Pittsburgh and he was there for a long time ministering. So we love it. 
Wow. Okay. Well, that's so exciting. So you, you kind of teased us with the adoption of your son and, um, and you're, I know you're in process. So you kind of have like two separate adoption stories that you're working through right now. But first, you know, I want to obviously hear about your adoption with your, your son that you have home right now. And then kind of talk to us you're in this waiting period, which is so unique. I know a lot of listeners are in this period and it is so incredibly hard. And I'm, excited that you're going to be able to speak to them. So yeah, just walk us through what you've, mm-hmm. what you guys have been through and what you're going through now. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, so just to start from the very beginning, um, we, I grew up in a small town in Indiana, but for like looking back now, I realize how strange this was, but there were a lot of adoptive and foster families around us. Um, and so I, I just got exposed to it that and I was just always, interested in, in these families and just thought it was so cool and I wanted to know their stories. Um, so I got exposed to adoption and foster care that way. I had a lot of friends who were adopted or in foster care. And then um, my husband in, in Ohio where he was growing up, he he just has always had a really compassionate heart and had a heart for the marginalized. And so he's always been interested in adoption and foster care. Um, through that way. And his sister actually ended up um, going into social work and has worked in the adoption field in a variety of areas. So he learned a lot about adoption through her and um, her and her husband adopted a little boy from Taiwan. So getting to know him and and being walking through that process with her really grew his heart for adoption. So when we met in college, um, that was when, when we, you know, things started getting serious and talking about families and stuff. That was something that we talked about from the very get-go was wanting to include that in our family somehow in some way. We didn't know how. Um, so then we got married. And once we got to the point of wanting to start our family, we we weren't sure which way we wanted to go first. Do we want to try to have a biological child? Do we want to adopt first? And to my logical brain, I was like, well, there's a there's a clock going on the biological side, so maybe we do that first, and then we go for adoption. Um, but as we were praying about it, it was actually – so that's kind of where we were headed. Uh, we'd been trying for a while, and one day at church, the it, this was – so God speaks to us in such like – huge ways it feels like in our lives. I think he has to, to get through to us. <laughs> but we were um, just sitting in church. The message had absolutely nothing to do with uh, family or adopting or anything. Um, but we were standing during worship and we just both looked at each other because I felt like the Lord had just said to me, adopt, you need to adopt first. And God had just spoken to him at the exact same time. So we like locked eyes and he said, I think we're supposed to adopt first. And I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that started us down the process of starting our adoption journey. And um, and I'm a researcher and a planner and a prepper. And so I was trying to figure out where we should adopt from. Should we do domestic? Should we do foster care? Should we do international? And I had so many questions. And it was just I found it really hard to get specific answers, like just searching things on Google. It was like, oh no, this was a mistake. <laughs> um, so we tr- I tried to seek out people who had done it and try to get an answer. And something, uh, I just kept feeling like 
God had spoken to us so clearly about adapting. I felt like he was going to like, you know, shine a light on a globe or something. And it would just be like, this country is where your child is. And, and that wasn't happening. And as I kept praying about it, I kept feeling like God was saying, just pick a place. It doesn't matter. Just pick a place and I will make a way, which I know like that may be weird for some people to hear, but I just felt like we could go with anywhere and, and there would be a child that needed a home and and God would make a way for that to happen. Wow. So um, I did. I made a whole like spreadsheet of every open international country of um, what their requirements were, what the time length was, all of that stuff. Um, and, uh, and sort of went through all that stuff and Korea was just sort of drawing us in. Um, and so, yeah, so that's where, that's why I went with Korea and we started the process there and, um, just got to like really know the country, really love the country. And we really had a great like process, um, like a very, very, especially compared to our second adoption, a very smooth, easy peasy adoption process with Korea. So we applied, um, we applied in July of 2016. That was our very first, um, moment with them. And then by November, I mean, we were like highly, it went so fast because we were like highly motivated, had no other kids. So we could just put all of our free time into filling out applications, doing our home study, everything, that we could possibly do. And so by November of that year, we sent off our dossier to Korea. And we waited from November to February. And in February, we got a call that there was a little boy um, who they thought would be a good match for us. So we had, um, we wanted like a young baby, didn't matter to us, boy or girl. Um, And so they sent us this and Korea's referrals are like no other. They are so organized and meticulous. So it was like 30 pages. They want you to like meet in person at your home study office to walk through everything. And so there were pictures, there was a full bio of birth parents, full bio of his foster parents that he had been with um, since just after, like six weeks after his birth, and all of his medical information all of his behavioral information, like everything. It was so detailed and thorough. Um, and, you know, we were, we really didn't hesitate. We knew that that this was it and this was our little boy. Um, and so it was, uh, it was kind of funny. We had been like thinking about names and what we wanted to name. We wanted to do, if we didn't want to stick with his given Korean name, we wanted to find a Korean name. Like we wanted there to be some Korean in the name somehow or some way. Um, and we had been like searching and looking through different things. And we saw the name Saja, which means lion in Korean. And we were like, that's such a like specific name. Like that could really only fit with like a certain type of, <laughs> of baby. <laughs> but um, it was so, it was just like a, like, just such a confirmation that this was him because we had that name in mind, hadn't told anybody, but had that name in mind and we opened up his and they had prepped us with, he was born premature. And so we were like expecting to see this like tiny little baby struggling. 
And we were shocked to open up the file and see this like huge, chunky, massive <laughs> baby. <laughs> and his um, his description was like a very that he was very manly and bold. And we we're like, what an insane way to like describe a baby, but it like fit so perfectly with our little lion. So, so yeah, so it was just a confirmation that like, okay, this is him. This is, this is it. So yeah. So, so then from February to June, you're waiting for the exit permit. It's called, that's the main thing you're waiting for. Just clearance for him to be able to leave the country. Uh, so we got that on June 1st and then they set up two court dates uh, I'm I'm sorry. They set up a court date after that. So our court date was set for August. Um, and <clears throat> and so we traveled in August. So that was our first trip. We got to meet him, meet the foster parents, and uh, went and did our court hearing. And that was a really that was I feel like the first like um, seed planted for adoption hacks because we sat in this big long row of other adopted parents who were getting ready to go into their court. And it was just like amazing talking to them because I had it. I know everybody now is on like the Facebook groups and they search each other out via Instagram, but I don't know. I didn't realize any of that was happening. And so it was like the first time I was like with a group of people who were exactly where I was in this process. And scared about the same stuff I was scared about and had just gone through all the stuff I had gone through. So it was just like, I was just glowing, like talking to them and hearing their experiences. So that was really cool for us. Um, and, and then you come home for a month after that first court date, you can stay if you want, but we didn't, you come home and then a month later you're able to go and, and, uh, get custody of your child. Wow. Okay. So yeah. You, you know, you came home. I'm sure that you guys had like the big airport thing. Uh, what happened next, though? Um, so grief hit Saja um, incredibly hard. And I'm a, like I said, I'm a prepper. I'm a researcher. But I wasn't pre I wasn't fully prepared because, I you know, I read The Connected Child and I read all the adoption books and I was ready for that. But I think in a part of my brain, I was thinking, yeah, but he's 17 month old baby. Like <laughs> he's not going to, is he even going to like really know what he's experiencing? Um, and man, I was wrong. And so I had brought my, like one of my adoption books and I'm like in the hotel room in Korea, I'm like cramming again to like <laughs> remember everything. So I was like, no, I actually do really need to know this information. Um, because it just hit him uh, so, so, so hard. It was really traumatic for him. And part of that was, it's a blessing, but it made it really hard in the time was that he had a really intense bond with his foster mom, who mm -hmm. is a beautiful, amazing person who just gave so much to him and to us. The, um, she she had fostered. At that point, he was her 25th foster child. She just wow. loved to give and serve in that way. And, and I mean, they were just so, so, so connected, which is like beautiful. And that is going to affect the rest of his life, how he can attach with people. And I'm so grateful for that. But in the moment when we're disrupting that, it made it very, very difficult for him. And he pushed back from us so hard. Um, and so it, what was fascinating for me was that 
um, that kids at that age really go through those five stages of grief. And it really taught me a lot about all of adoption has really taught me a lot about grief and accepting grief and not seeing it as a negative thing, um, but seeing it as a gift that we have to process loss. We all grieve different ways. We all grieve people, losses, the idea of something. Um, And seeing a child go through that really like opened my eyes to this is normal. This is healthy. This is good that he's going through all this. Um, And then I just need to support that and figure out how to grieve the right way and help him through that. Um, So in Korea, the first couple weeks, we we saw the the shock and disbelief like he really just shut down mm. and would have like a lot of moments of just as like the warm rock uh thing like they're just they're just not they're not really with you yeah they're they're just gone and then when we got home we saw the anger and um the biting and the kicking and the screaming and um and i think my initial reaction was like to fix this, to help you move on past this. But I learned that, um, that that's not our job. Our job is to just help them through that. Like, yeah, you're angry. Okay. Be angry, but bite, you can't bite when you're angry. So let's maybe just go in a pack and play and stomp the, stomp the floor or whatever, you know, (laughs) a healthy way that they can get that anger out without, you know, biting people. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it really, it really taught me a lot about grief and, and even just like studying the scripture and seeing that like Jesus grieved Jesus, you know, of all people, he knows the end from the beginning and he grieved and he showed us how to grieve and that it's, that it's healthy. Um, you know, he grieved John the Baptist when he, when John the Baptist was killed and then when, Mary and Martha lost Lazarus when Lazarus died. Jesus came and he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. Like Jesus knew that. And he still, we have that scripture, Jesus wept. He wept with them. And that helped me learn that like, I just need to weep with Saja sometimes Mm. because I don't need to try to skirt him out of this, move him along. I just need to be present with him while he's in this grieving stage. Yeah. And, you know, when you were back there, surely you couldn't have seen the future or seen what it did for your relationship now. Um, but I, so I guess my question is twofold, you know, what, what is your relationship now because of that? And then also, how did you feel in that moment? Did you feel like you were making a mistake or did you feel, um, a peace from God just that you were doing the right thing in that moment? I kept wanting to, I kept like, naturally, I just wanted to like, get him out of that and snap, you know, snap out of it. You know, (laughs) that's that's just my, my gut reaction when, you know, a child is, especially like we were new parents and your kid is crying like 20 hours out of the day and like hates you. Like, that's what it felt like. It felt like he hated us. And, and so that was, that was tough, but I think yeah. it, I don't know, like what, I don't know. It, it had to be supernatural because I couldn't have like, I feel like I was too sleep deprived and too like in my human nature to like deal with that. But I felt like it was the Lord just like helping me know that like, 
it's not about you. He just needs to go through this and, you know, don't take it personally. <laughs> oh, man. But I mean, that speaks to my heart so much because I've I've been there where your kid just won't stop crying. And it's just it, it's grating on your nerves and it just makes you mad in a way that doesn't even make sense. Because logically, you're yeah. like, it's a baby crying. How could you be angry right. about that? But in the moment, you're just like, ah! and yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's like totally. torture. And I just, man, that had to have been a God thing. And I love hearing you, you know, say that. But what what did it do for your relationship now? Just your ability to somehow say, I'm just going to sit with you in this or um, ash heaping, as we call that. But, yeah. you know, it's weird to think of ash heaping with a baby. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> but what has that done for your connection now? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it really has helped um, all of us like grow closer and just it I think I mean I don't know but I think it helped him know that like he can feel those things and not be like ashamed or whatever but he can feel those things and we're not leaving we're not gonna get upset about it we're here and yeah I that was like that was the one thing like one of the things one of the many things I learned from the books was that like if you if they want picked up pick them up but if they don't if they're pushing you away don't walk out of the room, but just sit with them. If you have to put earplugs in, put earplugs in, but just sit with them and know that you're not going anywhere, no matter what, no matter how they're reacting to things. So I think hopefully that's, you know, in his brain, in his little three-year-old brain. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's such good stuff. And again, I think that there are so many people listening who are in this phase. They're in this season where they just don't know what to do and they feel like probably everything they're doing is wrong somehow because mm-hmm. that's so natural for us to feel that way. Um, yeah. So what an encouragement. And and speaking of which, you know, we, we talked earlier about you being in this waiting period that so many listeners um, are in. So what is that like for you right now? Um, it's really tough. (laughs) Um, to be honest, like there's no easy way. I haven't learned like a secret to waiting. It just, it's hard. It's rough. It's, um, I want to do things and I want to like push and I want to, um, annoy my way to get things done. I want to call somebody every day if that's what it takes, I'll do it. Um, but that just, it doesn't matter a lot of times and you just have to wait and, um, and know that you can't see it all. You don't know what's happening on the other side. And um, and just, yeah, um, and just knowing that there's, there's stuff that you don't understand. There's stuff that maybe you won't ever understand. But there's, for whatever reason, we just have to wait. <laughs> but that's such a good word, just saying you can't see the other side. You don't always know what's going on. You don't always know um what's happening in that waiting period that's that's not focused on you um I don't know I think that that's such an encouragement in and of itself because we don't think about that a lot of the time you know it's kind of like when we're when we're driving and we can get really angry at another driver for doing something that we do you know like cutting someone off accidentally (laughs) and we always assume that it's personal like they meant to do that and they're just mad at you but you don't know if they had a bad day or or if they're rushing to get somewhere or if they're late for work, just like we are or whatever. And it's it's hard to remember that um, when we're not seeing when we're when we're used to seeing things just through our lens. So, yeah. And we but we want that when we're on the other side of it. We want the the grace and the patience. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, there man. was a moment when um, it was one of our first nights at home. I tell this story a lot, but 
it, I feel like it changed me a little bit as a parent. Um, it was one of our first nights at home and uh, Anthony had to preach the next morning. And so it was like, it was all me. I was on duty and he was up like the entire night just screaming. And and it's just so tough when you can't comfort them. Like they don't want you. And and so you're just sitting there and he's screaming. And, and um, at one point I just like broke down and started crying. And I was just like, I was just like, God, what is, what is happening? (laughs) What is, (laughs) why and what? And, and I felt like God said to me, like, you're not, you're not mommy yet. And I was like, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, but I felt like he was saying like, you're not, you're not mom yet. Like you've been mom for a little bit. Foster mom was mom for a little bit. Birth mom was mom for a little bit. But so he like doesn't know you to trust you. You don't comfort him yet. He doesn't know your voice, but he knows my voice and I can comfort him. And I've been with him from the very beginning. And so just let me be the comforting voice. And so that has kept me like with, I mean, stuff with Saja and stuff with the second adoption. It's like, I just have to trust that like God is the father right now and whatever position I have, I, you know, I'm okay with that. And I need to just kind of sit back and let God be the comforting voice. Like God lead where he's leading because I can like drive myself crazy thinking like this baby girl that we don't even know in India, what's happening right now? Where is she? What's going on? But I just have to remember that like God knows he's such a good father and who am I to like question that, you know, like I know he's in control. Mm, And that's so hard for, especially, I mean, someone with my personality type where I like to be in control and I feel like everything's going to fall apart if I let it. Um, Let's go Enneagram one. That's right. You are a one. Oh yes, girl. (sighs) My heart. (sighs) It's hard. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard that we are the most exhausting personality type and I believe it. Yes. (laughs) Um, yes. I okay. I exhaust myself. <laughs> I uh, same, 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 same. Okay. So <clears throat> talking about, you know, widening this, this view a little bit, um, you clearly were not satisfied with this just being a message for you or a lesson learned for you. And so you decided to make it a ministry. Um, how did that start and what has it done for your walk with God and your, just your journey through adoption? Um, yeah, so we, like I said, like at that moment in the courtroom, being with those other parents, that was like a, a click for me. And I also went to um, KFO. I went to a KFO conference. Uh, and I felt like walking into a lot of those rooms, I was like, I'm home. I like, these are my people. And, and so I just loved the community. Um, but I know like, and so I felt like once you were, in the adoption community, like you all of a sudden had all these resources and stuff. But I did kind of feel like if you were not sure about adoption, not sure which direction you wanted to go, or if it was for you, or just those like beginning questions, I didn't feel like I had a lot of, a lot of options or a lot of things to, a lot of resources. I feel like it's a lot better now, but, um, but then I just felt like there was something missing in. So I sought out like just people I knew friends of friends who had adopted and would like set up meetings with like phone meetings with them and just would ask them every question I could think of. And that was eye opening for me. I felt like that helped me so much being prepared and knowing what to expect. And, 
Um, and so I felt like, man, these stories that just I've stumbled across are so impactful. And I just wish that like, I feel, I didn't feel like it was just for me. I feel like other people needed to hear them. Um, but I'm not a blogger. I can't blog. It's not for me. And so I was just like, what What can I do? And I had the idea of a podcast because I've always been obsessed with podcasts. Um, and but I also felt kind of silly, like thinking that I could do a podcast. Like, what do I know? I'm not an adoption professional. I'm not um, an audio expert. I'm just a, a mom who did this once. <laughs> but um but then I kept getting like uh, messages on Instagram because I would tag stuff like Korean adoption. And whenever I would do that, I would just get flooded with messages with asking questions. And I was like, OK, I think I think there is a need for this, even if it's just a little bit, even if there's just 10 people who want to know that I would do this for those 10 people. And so that's why I started um, Adoption Hacks. And the goal was always just to have a mix of professionals and moms and dads and people doing ministries for marginalized children um, on just to share about their ministries. So so that's how it got started. Um, and man, it's been so fun. I mean, you know, like there's so few people who can relate. So it's so nice to talk to you. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's just so amazing. Like it's amazing to meet the people who have been in this community for so long and have so much wisdom. And it's amazing when you get to talk to someone who's like, um, I, they're just putting like their tiniest little toe in the adoption or foster care water just to see if it's for them. And it's great to be able to walk with them through those first few steps and, and give them any, you know, any resources or anything is, is so helpful. So yeah, it's, it's been really awesome. Well, and something that I really love is, so, you know, we talked, um, Candace and I recorded an episode for her podcast, Adoption Hacks as well. And we talked then about, you know, for my, uh, Facebook community on online, often people will be like, you know, obviously there's the Adoptive Mom podcast, but what other podcasts do you guys listen to? And so many people are like, adoption hacks, definitely adoption hacks, go listen to adoption hacks. And so uh, I love that we kind of serve the same people, but in different mm-hmm. ways. I think that that's really cool. Um, and and I am a really practical person. And so I think it's really awesome that you are serving those people who are like, just tell me what to do or just like, give me the tips or whatever. But then also, you know, let me take care of your heart too. And I think that that's a really great balance. Um, what have, what has been your favorite part of podcasting and being able to serve, um, I'm guessing primarily moms, but also dads and support systems, um, in this way? Um, my favorite part. Oh, sorry. What was it? Was a question? <laughs> my favorite part. It was a wordy question. It's my fault. There you go. What has been that. your favorite part of of serving uh, people in the adoption community it's in this wording. way? Um, man, I, I mean, not that it's about me, but I have learned so much. Like it's really opened my eyes to a lot of needs and to a lot of. Like I've learned so much about foster care that I wouldn't know any other way. Like certain areas that like I didn't necessarily go down at least right away. And it's just opened my eyes to um to so many just giving and serving people and um and the what they're doing for, for kids. Yeah. Oh. 
That's really good. I mean, what is your what has been the biggest struggle that you've had? The biggest struggle. Oh, good question. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you mine um, while we were thinking. And I've told yeah. this on my podcast before. Just it's really hard. I think that as an extrovert, it's it's hard to be essentially, I mean, obviously you're talking to your guests, but it's like that's it. You know, the numbers say you're talking to a bunch of people, but like I don't see them. Right. And that's really hard because I'm like, who am I talking to here? So that's been that's the hardest part for me. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I totally agree. And I try to like I'll try to like put stuff out there like questions and stuff. But, you know, I don't always hear back. And so but then, yeah, you see what you see where it's going and and what's happening in your yeah, I wish that I had all of the all of them like around me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be uh, nice, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, hey, I I always have these closing questions that I like to ask my guests, and um, uh, they're thought provoking, and I think that the term closing questions can be a little bit misleading because they're not necessarily short. But with that <laughs> caveat, are you ready to jump into those? Yes, I'm awesome. so ready. I okay. have notes. <laughs> good. <laughs> okay. What do you wish or yeah. What do you wish you had known at the very beginning of this journey? Um, to prepare all you can. I know I said I prepared a lot, but I wish I would have gone a little bit deeper into trauma and grief before. Cause like I said, I kind of had to like, like relearn everything and relook at, cause I, a lot of it, I just brushed past and thought like, I don't need to know that yet at least. Um, and so I wish I would have prepared a little bit more or educated myself about trauma a little more, but known that there's stuff that you cannot prepare for. It's always going to be different. Every kid's different. Every situation's different. Every every way that they grieve is going to be different. They may, like a lot of kids don't grieve at the beginning and then six months later they have this huge grieving thing. And so you just can't, you just can't really fully prepare prepare like know that it's not gonna be whatever you expect but um but just to be educated and be ready for like whichever direction it goes I guess yeah no and I have a a follow-up question for that one so since I know that you're a fellow one you know we like systems and we like structure and we like understanding what we are dealing with Mm -hmm. how did man how was that for you just knowing that things were gonna change and once you figure it out it was gonna like be like a vapor out the window. Yeah, it was a it was a a lot of chaos. You know, if it just felt like w- life was chaos, and I didn't know what to expect. Um, but so I, I wish I would have been a little more, um, real, re- like just let it flow and let it come like people like you said like ones aren't really chill people people never describe (laughs) me as being a chill person (laughs) no (laughs) but I wish I would have been able to uh to flow with that a little bit more and uh and just adjust to his to his needs each and every day however they change because we felt like things changed like every week like every week it felt like you know, like I said, like it started out as like the disbelief and then it switched to anger and then it was more angry and then it was a little bit better, you know, and it just kept changing like week by week. And so just being able to to know that you can't really prepare yourself for that, um, but just being able to having the I guess the tools to know how to handle each stage. 
Yeah. And there's almost a freedom in that um, to say, you know, I don't know what to expect and everything is chaotic, but it's not my fault. I think that being able to say there's no way you can control this is somewhat comforting. Um, At least it was. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay. What do you wish you had done differently? Um, I wish I would have been more vulnerable with um, other people. In our current community, um, there are n- not a lot of other adoption. There at the time, there were not a lot of other adoption and foster parents around us, like in our church or in our friendships or anything. We were kind of the first ones out of our like present friend group that was doing this, and so I felt like I had to be this. And I, I totally, this was nobody else's fault but my own. But I felt like I had to be like the representative for <laughs> for adoption. And I had like, I mean, you know, you get into this and you see the kids and you see the need and you just want everybody to do it. And you see how beautiful it is mm-hmm. and how redemptive it is. Um, and um, but then you get a little deeper and you see that like, well, redemption only happens when there's brokenness and it's really broken, but you don't really want to show that to other people because you want other people to come in and and experience this joy and this redemption with you. Um, and so I feel like I had to kind of like sugarcoat a little bit. Like I feel like I couldn't really be super raw about one, how hard the wait was, even though it really wasn't that long of a wait, but looking back it wasn't but it felt like it at the time and then when we when we brought him home like so many people had helped us like financially and praying and just asking about it um and and so I felt like I owed them like a happy ending almost I felt like I owed them like oh he's home and it's amazing and it's a miracle and it's the best ever. (laughs) And a part of that was true, but a bigger part of what I was feeling at the moment was like, what did I do? What did I get myself into? Is this child always going to hate me? Cause you don't know what's going to happen. There was a time when I was like, is this child always going to hate me and push back from me? I don't know, maybe. And so that's, but that's what I was feeling. But I feel like I couldn't be that raw with people because I owed them like the, the the pretty up sparkly version of it. So I wish I would have. And now I I know that that's not true. And people appreciate vulnerability. Um, like the first time I ever posted, it was pretty early on, but I posted something on Instagram about, and it was it wasn't even like that deep, but it just said something about like how like how Saja was just going through so much grief, and and people just like instantly came and were like like oh we had no idea and oh we're praying with you and like I had a lot of adoption people like online reaching out with like tips and stuff it was amazing and I was like why did I why was I afraid of this why did I think people were going to judge me just for being honest not that you have to be super negative but I just was afraid of being honest and so I wish I would have known from the beginning that it's good people appreciate that yeah, that's uh, that's a good word. That's really <laughs> encouraging for a lot of people who are in the midst of this. Um, okay, what has been your favorite way that your tribe has supported you? Okay, not to keep talking about the Enneagram. <laughs> it's okay. I love the Enneagram. <laughs> but I do feel like it affects especially like my parenting stuff a lot because, you know, we are – 
um, we're harsh on ourselves. I mean, I feel like that's a mom thing in general. We can be critical of ourselves and not feeling like we're ever really doing a good job. And so it it's always encouraging. I mean, still, it's always really encouraging if people just say like, you're good. You're doing good. Every, or just to be encouraging without, because um, I can take people trying to fix things as judgmental and mm-hmm. that like destroys me because I'm already thinking it. So I'm like, oh no, you notice it's falling apart too. Everybody must know. Um, so it just to be encouraging. And I mean, I'm all for like tips and advice, but um, just to be encouraging and not, you know, here no matter what and not just trying to say like, well, you should really try this or you should do this or whatever, but just to say, you're doing great. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. It. Well, I know that <laughs> as, as a, like I said, as a fellow Enneagram one, I, I realized something just within the past few months that I do. I try to outwork other people's criticisms because I'm such a harsh critic on myself. And so when I when I do get criticism, it makes me angry because I haven't like, I'm like, I'm already beating myself up for that. You don't have to, especially with my husband. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you don't understand how hard I've worked for you to not notice that this is an issue. And then for you to comment on it, I've already beat myself up for it. I don't need you to. Yeah. And I just get really angry about it. Um, and I, I'll i be, yeah, I'm the first person. Like, I have no chill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I... I don't take criticism well. And man, that's hard because those kind of people are not very fun. And that's very humbling. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. What was your least favorite way that your tribe supported you or attempted Um, to support you? I, I don't know. This one I had a hard time with. I know every, I listen to other episodes and I know everybody has a hard time with this one. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it because I never I'm never bothered by like like I'm doing quotes here like ignorant questions like people who gen genuinely like don't know what they're talking about I'm never bothered by that because I just see that as an opportunity to like teach you yeah how to say it or teach you what you're what you want to say in a way that's not like ridiculous right um and so I'm never like bothered by anything like that. I think it just kind of relates to the the past one. Like, I'm just bothered when people try to say, like, oh, you just need to do this. I mean, when we first brought Saja home and, like, took him to places, it, it, it was it was insane. He was just screaming. He was hitting. People would try to touch him and hold him and whatever. And he would just hit people because <laughs> he doesn't know them. And he doesn't like anybody. <laughs> he doesn't like me. He's not going to like you for sure. <laughs> I'm feeding him and he doesn't like me. Um, and so, uh, so it's just, but when people would try to say like, you know, you really should do this and you, when people just try to fix it or try to relate it to their situation, mm-hmm. that just pushed me away because I would just immediately want to go into like, okay, you don't, you, you don't understand. It's, it's not the same as, as your child who was in your stomach and knows your voice and, and, has known you and trust you and is comforted by you. Like I, I kind of have to go a different way with this one and I don't really have time to walk you through all the ins and outs of that. So, you know, that, that just kind of would rub me the wrong way, I guess, when people would try to fix it. I know that comes out of love when people would try to do that, but it was, that was difficult for me. Well, it makes sense. I mean, that would be yeah, that makes total sense. Um, okay, and I always ask, you know, just to wrap it all up, if you had one piece of advice or encouragement for adoptive moms, what would you say? 
Um, I would say the season you're in won't last forever, whatever season that is, whether you are on a wait or whether you are um, in a, a, an attachment period um, or a grieving period or whatever. It, it won't last forever. There, there will be stages of it. It might come back again in the future, but there's ebbs and flows to that and know that I can get stuck in like this is just how life is. I guess I'm just going to have to to live depressed all the time. <laughs> but <laughs> it's not like that. It, it will end. There isn't a light at the end of the tunnel. One way or another, um, things are going to change. The The little cute phases they might be in are going to end. And also the bad phases they're in are going to end too. So somebody told me that, um, that kids kids completely change every three months, which I kind of believe, uh, just as far as what they're saying, what they're into, um, just their little phases, everything just kind of resets, uh, every few months. And so just know that if you're in a hard season right now, it's the end is coming. It won't last forever. You just need to, to sit with it and find the, find the beauty in it somehow during this season. Mm. Good stuff. Okay, so before we jump over to our um, our fun segment that we're going to do, can you just tell us where we can find you and where we can find your podcast and how we can, you know, see cute pictures of Saja, all that stuff? <laughs> yeah, you can find uh, Adoption Hacks podcast on anywhere you find podcasts. Um, it's you're typing in the adoptive mom, just type in instead of the, just type in adoption. <laughs> Hacks too, and I'll be right there. And then you can have both of them side by side where they belong um, together. <laughs> um, we also are on Instagram, Facebook at Adoption Hacks. Um, and then you can find me personally uh, on Instagram and Facebook just at Candace Laycock, K A N D A C E L E C O C Q. That's it. And I'll have links to all of that in the show notes, of course. But um, like I said before, Candace and I are going to jump over and answer some fun questions for Patreon supporters. If you want to be a part of that conversation, just go to patreon.com slash the adoptive mom and support at the $10 level and you'll get access to this fun conversation and all the fun conversations that I've had with all my guests. And Candace, just thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. And you definitely want to hear this fun conversation. So you should for sure become a supporter. <laughs> thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.